That's just fact. <laughs> you weren't born with a uterus. That's just fact. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> oh. You weren't born with a uterus. <laughs> That's just fact. <laughs> okay. Oh. OPBC Online, a ministry of Old Pass Baptist Church in Northfield, Minnesota. And uh, yes, everybody has covered Alistair Begg, but nobody covers him like OPBC Online. Nobody goes out to the streets and confronts the LGBTQ community. Nobody wants to go out and preach to them and lift their voice up like a trumpet and preach the word of God to them and, dis and dismantle the delusion. Shine the light of the scriptures on it and show it for what it is. Absolute delusion. And hopefully, Lord willing, we get all the videos by Friday so I can cover that because I want to show you that. There is a difference, my friend. Some people will do it behind a keyboard. Some people will do it behind, simply behind a keyboard. Okay? Some people will do it from a pulpit, but very few people will go out into the highways and the byways. But Old Paz Baptist Church does. They go out into the highways and the byways. They go out right in the middle and the mix of it all. Right? And we deal with it right then and there. Amen. Because I believe if you stop taking that fight to the streets with the gospel and with the word of God, you are going to see things slip even further and quicker. God's people need to get out there and preach and confront it. You weren't born with a uterus. That's just fact. Oh, I love it. Anyway, more to come. Hang on tight. There's more to come with all that. Rest assured. All right. Anyway, so hope you've been having a good week so far. It is Wednesday. Wednesday, right? Wednesday. And we are live here. It is 2.08 p.m. Central Time, January 31st. Oh my goodness, it's almost February and it's 50 degrees outside. I am loving global warming. Bring it on. I'm for it. 
It is 51 degrees and the sun is shining. Amen. That is wonderful. Amen. In the words of Ross Duncan, wonderful when he rolls that R. Like that kind of. He just kind of rolls it. So, we are going to talk about this issue. And uh, this issue is not going away. It is here to stay. And here's the thing I want to say. We're, we're going to get started here. Pray for us. Pray for our ministry. Things are going well. Guess what? The first of the month. Tomorrow. All the bills are due again. Isn't it great? How does that keep happening? However, the good news is we are one month closer to Canada. Yeah. One month closer to getting to Canada. And uh, so February, right? And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And looking forward to getting out there, preaching, looking forward to my summer, early summer uh, tour there, early spring uh, spring tour there, to go to Canada for five days and then drop down possibly to Pennsylvania, then back over to New England, to Rhode Island. And uh, we'll see how that all goes. You pray for us. I haven't talked to that brother in Pennsylvania. I've got to touch base with him sometime soon so I can get to making some plans. And uh, we are looking forward to all of that. So you pray for us as we as we uh, continue on, right, uh, to our exciting work that we're doing now next Saturday I hope to work on the Coliseum hopefully before then and maybe Andrew and I can record for the Coliseum but we'll see I might have overblasted it that might have been why it cut out I might have turned overblasted it and uh, maybe, yeah, I am. I'm definitely blasting that thing out. Okay, I got to be careful. I'm not, I'm blasting the mic out. Clipping it, probably. So, hey, there's almost 100 people on here. Now, anyway, so you pray for us about all that. I'm excited about what God's going to do with everything and uh, looking forward to it. So keep praying. So hopefully next Saturday, maybe we can... Maybe I can get some. Hey, we hit a hundred. All right. Um, maybe hundred and one. Whoa. So maybe, just maybe, we can finish up at the Coliseum. Finish up some recording. Andrew sent me. A little excerpt of the direction that he's going with the video. Wow. So. 
it looks good. It it does look good. So I'm looking forward to that. And you pray for us about that. I'm going to try to get a bunch of that finished. I got to work on the martyrs. I've got to work on kind of closing that up and uh, and how we're going to finish it out. Um, with video of walking down through the Colosseum and all that kind of stuff. Man, if I had to do it over again, I'd have slipped that Muslim some more money to get me into that bottom floor. Right. I'd have greased his skids to get me into that bottom floor, man. You bet. Definitely. But anyway. Yeah, I get like 20 people live on YouTube. <laughs> It'll go up and down 80, 90, 75, whatever. It'll go. Where can I buy a good book, Martyr's Mirrors? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll charge you double for it. Uh, the big book, Martyr's Mirrors. Ah, uh, let me get you. Let me, let me. Let me see. This is the copy that I have. That's the copy I have right there. From, uh, so that's Amazon, $64.99. I don't know if it's cheaper somewhere else. It might be. I'm just not sure. That's the one I have. Let's see. Here's Bethel College. Let's see if they're selling it. Ooh, they got an exhibit of it. That's sweet. I didn't know that. Nice. Okay, I'll have to check that out later. Here you go. Yep, so that's the one. You could just order it on Amazon if you want. Check eBay. Check uh, bookfinder.com. But there's a quick way if you don't care if you spend a few more bucks just to have it. That's the one you want, though. You don't you want that one. That's the real one. The big yellow one. Okay? Get the big yellow one. All right? Okay. Otherwise, I'll just charge triple for it. His brothers is broke these days and stuff. Just kidding. I don't have any. Well, I might have an extra one somewhere, but Somebody usually takes it at the church. Anyway. I've always used bookfinder.com to find a lot of things. You can read it for free, but if you online, but if you want the actual book. I've I've gone through a few different sources like So, anyway. There you go. Now, let's talk about Alistair Big. Alistair Big. Uh, now here's the thing I want you to understand. I don't believe that Alistair Begg supports homosexuality in the sense of uh, supporting the act of homosexuality. He's preached against it. 
the act of, uh, I don't believe he supports gay marriage openly in that sense, or even privately, I don't think he does. Okay, sodomite marriage. Okay? Um, so, however, indirectly, and maybe he doesn't realize it, or maybe he's too proud to admit that he's wrong, right? Um, indirectly, though, he is supporting it, okay? And that's a problem. Indirectly. he See, here's the... He mentioned, well, listen, I'm not an American uh, fundamentalist. So he said, he said, you know, I'm, I'm not an American fundamentalist, so I, I'm more like Martin Lloyd-Jones and men like that. Well, I have a lot of Martin Lloyd-Jones books. I've got his complete works on Romans. I have his complete works on Ephesians. I have his complete works on the Godhead. I have his complete works on um, well, I don't remember. I've I've got others, okay? First John. That might be the Godhead ones. Okay? I have I have uh his works on on First John. Um I like Martin Lloyd Jones. I've read Martin Lloyd Jones's book on um the depressed Christian. In fact, I, I did a, a series of studies out of it. I thought it was exceptional. I've used Martin Lloyd-Jones' books in my sermons on Ephesians, on Romans chapter 12, which I think was just phenomenal, by the way. Uh, so I, I've used all of those. Martin Lloyd-Jones... Would never agree to this. You know. Um, uh, Lloyd-Jones even uh, stopped baptizing babies. In his, and he's not a Baptist, by the way. But he stopped baptizing babies in his church. Because he couldn't find scriptural warrant for it. He said, I can't do that. So, for the most part. For not being a Baptist, because <laughs> you have to remember, I am a Baptist, and I do not apologize. Uh, for not being a Baptist, Lloyd Jones was pretty solid uh, on a lot on a number of things. You know, I, again, I don't agree with everything he said. I there's some things I disagree with him on, but a lot of it I agree with him on, and he's a, he was a good Bible teacher, so. Uh, in that sense, wasn't always right, but good, good teacher, teacher of good things, right? So, um, and this is coming from a Baptist, mind you. So I'm kind of picky, but uh, I I like his stuff. It very helpful, very helpful. He was a pastor loved his people he wanted to help them he wanted to help them with the bible um he would have never went for this so alistair Begg was asked a question okay let me hold on zell 89 asked me a question that is 999 99 for the answer that is 
$99 plus $15 shipping and handling for me to answer. But I will sell $89. I will answer it. What is your opinion on Oliver B. Green? I think he was a pretty good teacher. We might have a difference in the timing of the rapture, him and I, as far as our agreement on that. But I think he was a pretty good teacher. Uh, I, I think he was pretty good. He was a radio teacher, and his books were turned, his, his radio sermons were uh, turned into books. Okay? I think, but I think he was, I think he was pretty decent. He had one on hell, and the book is red. It's really, really good. I think I read that years ago. Anyway, so, yes. And I do have, in my illustrious library, I do have Oliver B. Green's sermons. I do have the works of A.W. Pink. I do have the works of Talmadge, the works of Barnes, the works of Spurgeon, the works of Owen on Hebrews. I have an extra set of it over there. I have two sets. And, of course, I have... Oh, the works of John Owen. The complete works. Not the Hebrew works, but the complete works. Like this big. Very big set. 17 volumes, I believe. Right. Arthur. Of which somebody bought me. (laughs) The works of Parker. Lange. Practical observations on the book of Job. Baptist works. Almost the entire collection of Baptist works from Baptist Standard Bearer. The Biblical Illustrator. The Speaker's Bible. And many, many more. Anyway, lots more. So much more that I can't count them all. And the works of John Knox. Though he wasn't very nice to Baptist. Did you read all 17 volumes? Of course not! I use them for references. I don't have time to read 17 volumes. Oh, and Clark's commentaries. And greatest text of the Bibles. Of the Bible, sorry. Greatest text of the Bible. And Alexander McLaren's works. And private works, private sermons. From Manchester. Manchester! Virgin's Encyclopedia of Sermons. Martin Luther's works. Well, the small one, the sermons. Not the big ones. Vaughn's History of the Roman Empire.
the entire set and series of the particular Baptist press, and I mean all of them, absolutely all of them. Anyway. And a great number, and a great number of private and separate Puritan works. Yep. The pulpit commentary, the preacher's homiletic Bible, the preacher's homiletic commentary. Am I boring you yet? Are you done with me already? I better get moving. You don't want to hear about all the books I have. Anyway. Those are the books I have. How'd we get on that? Okay. Now, so anyway, I know these men. I know what these men stood for. I know the books that they read. I have the books that they read. I read the books that they read. Yes, I have Thomas Boston's entire works from Glasgow. Yes, my good man, all of them. It's right over there in a big black binding. Like 20 of them. Hang on, let me check. I'm back! Look! I'm not lying! Watch! Not that. That'll be weird. Here! Look! The entire works of Thomas Boston! He had a really good sermon. Well, with Puritans, they're like, you know, 40 pages long. Uh, but these are the these are the puritans that didn't beat people up anyway but um the uh nonconformist and all those others anyway uh he had one on depression that was exceptional i read the whole thing it was like 30 pages it's underlined like a thousand times anyway are you all with me or did everybody leave Yes, I do. Yes, I have them. The complete works of Thomas Boston. Oh, what's that other Thomas's name? Thomas Brooks. There's another Thomas. What's his name? Boston Brooks. Thomas Case. Thomas Case. Ah. Uh, there's another Thomas, but I cannot remember his name. Anyway, all right. I'm done now. God has been good to me. I will read you sometime. If you would like me to, I will read you sometime his sermon on depression. I will read that entire one for you, if you would like. But if you think it'll bore you to death, I won't do it. It's very good. Thomas Goodwin, yes! I have the works of Thomas Goodwin, too! I do. I like Tommies. 
<laughs> I have Thomas the Trade too. I have his works. Well, not really all of them, but a lot of them. I will read you sometime if you would like. Anyway, I better get going. I never heard about these people. Must be well-known Baptist. Pre- nope. These are not Baptist. Those are the nonconformist. They would be considered Puritans. But a lot of them were the good ones that didn't hurt people like Jeremiah Burroughs and others. Not all Puritans. They were nonconformist. They were independents. And they were kind. Many of them. Very kind. Okay, so they didn't want to use the sword to beat people or kill people. There are some of those out there. All right, anyway, uh, and I have to be honest about history, and I try to be honest about it. So anyway, all right, let's go. Sometime I'll read you the sermon on depression. But now, Alistair, Alistair Begg. So I know I'm not naive. I'm not some... Independent fundamental Baptists that never that never read anything else and stuck in a bubble or anything like that. I, I know exactly who these men are. I know who he's read after. I know the men that... So I'm not naive to any of those things. And I've read after those same books. Okay? So I understand that. I'm laying that foundation so you understand that I'm not deceived by those things. I get it. Now we're going to listen to what he said. Ready? This is what happened. I think every pastor who preaches, every author who writes a book like this, comes away thinking, I hope my readers or my listeners will think differently as a result of their interaction with this, will will feel differently. And will act differently. As you think about this book and your prayer for this book, what do you hope will be different? How do you hope people will be different after they have read uh, this book and they've meditated on this sermon? Well, first of all, I, you know, I hope that I will be different. Um, Man, all joking aside for a minute, I like that guy's accent. I think more people would listen to me if I had a cool accent. I just sound like a stinking barbarian that walked out of the woods and stalked out of the out of the wilderness there. That's what I sound like. But this guy right here, oh man. He sounds smooth, man. I'm telling you what. The old song that we never sing, you know, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I mean that that is that is foundationally the case. Um and so I hope that that would be multiplied. I hope that that um, our church family, those who choose to uh, read this book, that we that it might have an impact among us. Because learning to say I'm sorry, learning to say please forgive me, learning to say you know I'm not at my best at the moment. Can you come alongside me? Learning to say yes, I know that these people believe a very different agenda. That their lifestyle is orientated in another direction and learning to say, but I have no basis upon which I could argue that I myself would not be where they are, were it not for the amazing grace of God, were it not.
Now, see, I agree with what he's saying there about that. But the problem is, is where he's going to go with this. The problem is, he's going to take this into sin. Okay? He's going to take this into sin. And any fellowship, any move... Right? Any of that is going to lead uh, to treason to the Lord. We have got to stay firm against these wicked, sinful acts against God. If we don't and we compromise, They will fill our churches with it. They will fill our churches. Our children will succumb to them. Our children need to know what we believe and why we believe it. They need to be educated. I am raising up a generation by the grace of God at Old Pass Baptist Church to understand what they believe and why they believe it. So they know not just to stand, but how to stand. Stand, therefore. Right here, Ephesians 6.14. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are soldiers, and we must stand. We have to stand firm in the faith. Paul says it. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Which you like men, be strong. I'm going to tell you what, if you don't teach your children, if they don't see biblical men and biblical women, if they don't see fathers and, and leading and guiding and directing and staying bold in the faith and standing for what they believe, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to, your, your daughters, when they grow up, your sons, their sinful life is going to get you to fold. When they begin to compromise because you compromised all those years ago, they're going to fold. I'm telling you, they're going to fold. You're going to fold. You're going to give in to their, their whims because of grandbabies, because of children, because of all that stuff. You better understand that. Right? I'm trying to think of that. Let's see. It's Peter, and I can't think. Let's see. Here it is right here. 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Actually, number one, seven. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's submission to the Lord right there. You ain't going to fight the devil without submission to the Lord. Right? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, James says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Right? Okay. For his compassion towards me. And in very specific areas, this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person. Okay, first of all, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person. No, they're not. Translation. My grandson wants to mock God, mock the Bible, be an abomination, and enter into a fake union with a make-believe person that's not even real. That the body that they're claiming to have is not real. What should I do? Person, and I let me let me back it do. up. You and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, "My grandson is about to be married to a transgender person," and I don't know what to do about this and i'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do which is a huge responsibility and in a conversation like that just a few days ago um and uh, people may not like this answer but i asked the i asked the grandmother does your grandson understand your uh, belief in jesus yes does your grandson understand that your belief in jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way, the choices that he has made in life. Yes. Wait. So, me going to be a witness? Because when you go to a wedding, you're not going to a wedding just to be there. You're going as a witness. By the way, a legal witness. You're going to be a witness of a union that is taking place. It's just like this. Are you ready for this? Pastor Cooley, my niece is getting baptized. She was just born, and they're going to christen her, or they're going to baptize her. Should I go? Well, of course not. Why would you go? Why would you go and watch an abomination take place? 
Why would you go and watch a lie? Well, I want to be loving. Well, be loving by praying for them and asking God to reveal unto them uh, that what they're doing is sinful and wrong, and it's not in the scriptures. Right? If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither, comma, neither bid him God's Godspeed. Don't receive him and don't bid them Godspeed. You're not to have anything to do with it. Do you believe in gay marriage? No. Do you believe in homosexual relationships? No. Do you believe uh, in uh, transgenders? No. Okay. So then if I'm going there, am I not saying I agree with you? You might say, well, Pastor Cooley, what would you do? Well... I don't think anybody would ever ask me to go. Secondly, probably take a bunch of guys, stand outside there with my signs and banners, and preach the devil right out of all of them. Yeah. You mean you'd do that to your own, if it was your son or your or your daughter or... Your cousin or yes, yes, and yes. Well, that caused a lot of problems in the family. Not as much as that homo cause. Why? Why would you do that? Because I actually believe what I preach. That's why. Like, this isn't my career, it's my life. Christ is my life, and it's not compassionate for me to go watch somebody anally rape my child, okay? That's not compassion to watch somebody enter into a fake union where they're going to anally rape somebody. Is that too blunt? Is that too straightforward? Or to enter into a union where somebody wants to chop their genitals off. And have some Frankenstein doctor do it. And give them pills and medicine. Let's put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can reach them, right? How about we do that? I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Uh, um, what? I suggest that you do go to the ceremony. 
Okay, so you're acknowledging that a wedding is a ceremony. I suggest you do go to the ceremony and you buy them a gift. Them. Uh, you might buy a gift for somebody that's like graduating. You might buy a gift for somebody who graduated college, got a new job. Maybe got a puppy, you want to buy him a bone. Maybe a coyote ate poo-poo and you want to give it a reward for the coyote eating poo-poo. So you feed the coyote some, uh, I don't know, chickens or something? I don't know. But. But. You don't buy somebody a gift who's going to enter into a blasphemous ceremony and you're buying them a gift recognizing their union falsely so-called okay that's right or poo-poo in any affirming way, the choices that he has made in life, yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm-hmm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. You're not going to, your love for them may catch them off guard, but you're absent. Wait, that's love? That's love for me to buy them a gift to be like, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but I'm going to buy two homos a gift because I want to show them how much I love Jesus. So I'm going to buy homos a gift, recognizing their phony union and buying into their fairy tale. And this makes me a good Christian. You know what that reminds me of? Honestly. You know what it reminds me of? I'm going to show you what it reminds me of. I can't get it out of my head. This is what it reminds me of. Okay, let's see here. Let me find Let's see here. One second. That's not it. That's not it. Let's see here. I wasn't prepared for this, but it just hit me like a ton of brain. Okay? I can't help it. I can't get it out of my brain. That one. Here it is right here. This is what it reminds you of. You ready? I'm a Christian, but I'm totally not judgmental. I'm a Christian, but I'm totally not arrogant. I'm a Christian, but unlike most other Christians, I'm totally not rude. Are most other Christians rude? Shut your stupid face, Trevor! I'm a Christian, but I totally don't think I'm better than other people. Thinking that you're better than other people is like putting yourself on a pestle. And I don't do that. Like, Christians who put themselves on pestles are way down here. 
but I am not that kind of Christian. I'm way up here. I'm a Christian, but I'm totally not stupid. I don't unquestioningly believe something just because my pastor tells me it's true. I unquestioningly believe something because my gender studies professor tells me it's true. I'm not one of those science-hating, illiterate fundamentalists who doesn't believe in evolution. Actually, a lot of creationists are really well-educated, intelligent people. Uh, not according to Bill Nye, moron. And he should know, because he has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, and he used to pretend to be a scientist on television. I'm a Christian, but I totally don't believe any of the Bible's teachings on sexual morality. I'm the kind of Christian who is firmly committed to living a way that 1 Corinthians says makes me not a Christian. Did you know that the average Christian kills almost 18 gay people every year? That's not true. It is true. <laughs> I'm a Christian, but I'm totally a feminist. Definitely a feminist. Oh, totes a feminist over here. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't really call myself a feminist. What? Excuse me? What's the matter with you, bro? Or however you self-identify? Oh my gosh, trigger warning much, Trevor? Trevor, if you don't say you're a feminist right now, I'm gonna drive down to the morgue, cut the ovaries out of a cadaver, and superglue them to your forehead. Fine, I'm a feminist. Yeah, you'd better be, you pathetic waste of an X chromosome. Being a Christian is all about loving people. It's about being kind. It's about accepting all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, whether they're liberals or other liberals. Being a Christian is all about changing your beliefs to please the unbelieving world and then calling your fellow Christians haters when they refuse to stop believing the thing you totally believed five seconds ago. Isn't it about Jesus? Isn't Christianity about how Christ Jesus, true God and true man, died and rose again to save us from our sins and to win eternal life for all mankind? <laughs> that is exactly what Alistair Big reminds me of. Absolutely to a T. Okay? Now we're going to go through and show you why what he's saying is garbage which we already kind of are but that's what it reminds me of and that was done like eight years ago will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what i always thought just catch and, them off guard so so alistair begs gonna say you know this this will catch them off guard they'll be like oh you're so lovey wubby dovey you know like like that other video but i won't play it <laughs> anyway uh, but but there, you'll catch him off guard with your love. Yeah, I don't remember Jesus catching anybody off guard uh, with his love uh, by condoning their sin. Right? I don't remember Jesus doing that, being like, "Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna love this this sin, and I'm gonna show up to this wicked wedding. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up in in this sinful stuff." No, what did he say to the woman? He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, humbled. So Alistair says, listen, you'll just cut them off guard with your love. Because they're already expected Christians uh, to not accept them and to be unkind and to be rude. You mean like, 
like preachers that go out and preach, uh, you know, kind of like the angels were when the angels walked into Sodom and Gomorrah and the angels started blinding everybody. Remember? They, they, they blinded them and the Sodomites were still trying. What he is doing is slipping. He believes it's all sin. He has preached against it. He has said it. But he's succumbing. Because see, what this, what this movement does is it keeps the pressure on. It never stops. It never stops pressuring and pushing to get its way. By your absence, it will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus. And- I'm not trying to build bridges. The Bible doesn't tell me to build bridges. What does it say to do? It says law to the proud, right? And grace to the humble. God resisteth the uh, the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The law is is written for the lawless. It's written for the wicked man. It's, It's written for the sinner. You don't need to go there and change who Jesus is and apologize for Jesus and give them a gift at their homo wedding. It's nonsense. It's not even Bible. And and don't understand that he is a king. John tells us he was full of grace and truth, and we have to figure out how we can be full of grace and truth at the same time, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, Full of our words should be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Yeah, so easy to get that upside down. And when a pastor does, then that that will take on an, uh, a role in a congregation as well and flavor it. And so, you know, let not many of you become teachers. Yeah, see, so I agree with that. It will take a flavor on. You know what? Because if you come to Old Paz Baptist Church, you're coming here because you're ready for the fight or you want to be in the fight. You may not be ready for it, but you want to be in the fight. Because make no mistake about it, I, I believe that we are in a war, a spiritual war, not with guns and knives and grenades and tanks. But I believe that our church is in a war. I view this life as a war. I, I view, that's how I view it. We are a body as well at Old Pass Baptist Church, but we are in a war. And when men come along, you want to know why people get discouraged, why young men out there are getting discouraged? Because they're going to churches and nobody's fighting anything. Nobody's against anything. Nobody's warring against anything. Nobody's in the battle. Nobody wants to take it to the streets. No one wants to go out and war a good warfare. 
They view the church as some mamby-pamby little little organization that's a one-world do-gooder organization. That the pastor has to whisper sweet nothings in everybody's ear. That he's not allowed to preach or he's not allowed to flavor the, con- uh, the, the congregation. Right? You know why men have come from all over the country to Old Pass Baptist Church? Because they saw a fight. They, they saw a fight. They saw, wow, these guys are, like, they're in a war. They're serious. They want to see churches planted all over the world. They want to see, they want to go out and confront the kingdom of darkness. They don't want to hide. They're not going to just have no fellowship with them, but they're going to go out to the gates, and they're going to go to the very edges of hell to pull people out of it. You want to know why most people are bored at church? Let me tell you something. You want to know why most people in America today in their churches are just bored stiff? Let me tell you what the world says to them. Let's rock out and let's entertain them. Let's rap. Let's rock. Let's dance. Let's get the smoke machine. Let's get all these other things. No, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You want to know what the problem is? They're not in a Holy Ghost-led fight. That's what the problem is. You know what young men want to do? They want to fight. And they have to learn that the fight is a spiritual fight. And they want to get out there and they want to fight. They want to war a good warfare. They're tired of the world telling them. That their Christianity is supposed to be lulled to sleep. That the world is supposed to shape what they believe. Right? So they're just supposed to roll over and play dead. And their pastor's not supposed to say anything that offends anybody. And and they're just supposed to get along with everybody. And they're supposed to accept uh, the, the Revelation 13b system. And not war a good warfare against it. That's what... That's what they believe. That there's there's no war. So there's nothing going... Nobody's fighting anything. Oh my goodness, I'd be lulled to sleep with the average church. I watch their videos. I watch the sending church. Listen to me. I'm going to put me in the wide shot for a second. I can figure out how to do it here. Okay, there we go. Oh, not that one. Here. Here. Listen to me. I get it. I watch the average church service of fundamentalist. And I'm telling you what, you want to talk about boring. It is about, but why? They got no unction. They got no energy. They got, they're not fighting anything. They're lulled to sleep by football. They're lulled to sleep by the world. They're lulled to sleep by entertainment. They're lulled to sleep by the blue-haired lady that's in their church service that they're afraid to offend because she's given all the money from the trust fund. 
They're lulled to sleep. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to shake it up. You know what I said when I when we started Old Pass Baptist Church and we separated from our ascending church? I'm not trying to rock the boat. I want to tip the whole thing over, brother. I want to roll that thing. I want to roll it over. What does the scripture say? These are the men that turn the world upside down. These people can't turn anything upside down. And no wonder people are, uh, young men are, are leaving church. What in the world they have to go for? Ain't nobody fighting anything. Nobody's standing against sin and wickedness. Nobody's putting the armor on and going to war. Nobody's standing against anything. They're not standing for anything. They want to engage the culture. Oh, we've got to engage the That's what we should do. Let's engage the culture. Let's not say anything offensive. So no wonder people don't want to go to church. They're like, I don't want to go to church. I mean, there's no fire. Nobody's getting right with God. There's no Holy Ghost moving. Nobody's laying sin down in their life. Nobody's separating from the world. Nobody's reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. They're all watching their Disney movies. They're all watching their football. They're all, they're all enamorated with entertainment. They don't have any time for God. They're not sharp in their minds. They don't talk about the scriptures. They don't want to raise their families for the Lord. Men don't want to stand up and be men. Women don't want to don't want to fulfill their God-given role to love their husbands and to love their children. Everybody's just being lulled to sleep by the ceremony of going to church. But nobody has a fire and a zeal to take it out there and 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 preach it and to, and to be in a war. They're not doing it. So what happens? These men are like. I mean, women aren't being trained to be ladies to love their husbands. They're not being trained. They're being sent off to Bible college. They're being sent off to, to boarding school for big girls. And they go out to California and get tricked out by some loser pastor out there that's begging the governor in independent fundamental ba- Oh, Mr. Governor, please, Mr. Governor, I'll lick your boots every day if you let us back in the church. Please, Mr. Governor, please let us back into our church building that we paid for. Let us back in. Yeah, well, that sounds like a fight that John Leland did, huh? That sounds like the Baptists, the fight that the Baptists had for the founding of America, right? That sounds like the Baptists that stood up for a Bill of Rights and told and and told uh, the present-day politicians they could go pound sand. If they don't put a Bill of Rights in there, you ain't getting elected. That's how it's going to work. No, now it begs the beast for anything. Begs the beast. It's just, I, I get it. I get why they, they're disillusioned. They don't call out anybody's sin. They don't preach against anything anymore. What's the use in going? Anyway, that rant was not planned for, but it was paid for by OPBC Online. I'm not whining. I'm talking. I'm just, I, I, I believe me, the last thing in me is to whine. 
I'm not whining. I'm not crying. I'm telling you what I'm doing. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you where I'm going. If you're looking for me, brother, that's where I'm going. I'm not going where you think I am, and I ain't rolling over and dying either. I'm ready to fight. That's what I am. You got the wrong guy if you think you got somebody that's going to roll over. I ain't rolling over. That's the way it is. I ain't going nowhere but straight forward to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. I got a battle to fight and ain't sitting around waiting for a bunch of whiners that don't want to do anything for God. That's for sure. People cry and tell me they can't move anywhere, they can't do anything. You know what? You better get serious about God. That's what you better do. Because you got these whiners right here begging them for, begging them for, uh, Begging the sodomites to accept them. Oh, they'll think you're lovely and nice and friendly. Really? That reminds me of when I, before I got saved, I went back to church. And it reminds me. I go back to church and, and I'm sitting in there and, and I see this pastor, I, I see this sodomite kid. Right? I see this sodomite kid, right? And he's in the church. And, uh, and they don't even recognize that he's a sodomite, just totally blind to it. And here's this guy. And I, I look at him and say, you know this guy's a sodomite, right? And all he was doing was in that church just to infiltrate. That's all he was doing. I might lose my voice on this, bro. It's worth losing. All right. Next. So. So. You'd think Alistair Begg would repent, right? Well, let's listen. Context of the evening, I want to do what I'm not prepared to do this morning, and that is to acknowledge uh, the amazing amount of uh, traffic that there has been a noise on the internet in relationship to what I told you about uh, some months ago. And, um, uh, my colleagues felt it would be good if I said something about this, so I don't want to do it now as it goes out into cyberspace, but I'm happy to do it. It's for, it's for our church family. And um, I said jokingly to somebody, you know, my, um, making an attempt at compassion, I, uh, I ended up, you know, starting a, a massive fire. I would fully have anticipated some of the other things I've said would be far, far, you know, far more inflammatory than this, but... Um, we should have known that, you know, beg wouldn't manage compassion. So, let's pray. Context. Of so basically, he's not going to repent, right? If I was in the receiving end of another question about another situation from another person in another time, I may answer absolutely differently. But in that Okay, so there's not an absolute standard is what he's saying. To separate from evil. 
There's not an absolute standard to separate from evil. Their standard is, well, it's situational ethics. Situational. Right? So in some situations, it's appropriate for me to give a, to go to a transgender wedding and give a gift. In other situations, it's not right for me to go to a transgender wedding and give a gift. Really? So then, Jesus Christ is not the same yesterday, today, forever. There are certain conditions to where it's appropriate for me as a grandmother, not a grandmother, but a grandfather, let's say, not a grandfather yet either, but someday I will be, Lord willing, if I don't get killed before then. (laughs) Um, As a grandfather or a father to show up, right, to a transgender or sodomite wedding. There's never an appropriate time for me to do that. Why? Because then people won't believe that I actually believe what I'm saying. Will they? But his, his changes with situation ethics. His ethics change with the situation. He has no firm and solid convictions. case I answered in that way and I would not answer in any other way no matter what anybody says on the internet as of the last 10 days if that were the case I would never if that were the case I would never I should never have said it in the first place if people want to me to recant and to repent to repent I, I, I repent daily because I say a lot of things that I shouldn't say. I mean, check with Sue, but the fact of the matter is, I'm not ready to repent over this. I don't have to. Wow. So I don't have to, <clears throat> I don't have to repent. I don't have to repent of telling, giving the advice to someone to go to a sodomite wedding a transgender wedding ah wow that's pretty that's that's called a lot of pride right there right uh let's see not uh let's see okay alistair Begg doubles down on attending the lgbtq wedding says he's not budging Right? He said he's not, he doesn't have to repent. Now, this is, this is a group. Um, by the way, I think it's funny that Alistair begs that his, his show is called Truth for Life. I listened to that before. Years ago. Years ago. You know what, Hannah? You want to bring that throat spray up for me? Uh, have one of the kids bring it up. You would, please. I could use it right now. Get my throat uh, lubricated a little bit more. Uh, anyway, uh, 
I listened to Alistair Begg. He had some good. I mean, he wasn't strong King James or anything like that. But years ago, I 15 years ago, I used to listen to him. 15, 20 years ago, probably. I used to like, you know, some of the stuff that he taught. I thought it was pretty good. You know, decent. There was, you know, I developed convictions now where I wouldn't listen to guys like him because I wouldn't waste my time. But, um, yeah. So let's, so, but this is the American Family Association, which runs a, a number of radio stations. Okay. Now he still is aired on 1,800 radio stations. So he's very popular. But this American Family Association said this. This is a group that had him on. But they, they, they double do down. They double down. Yep. So that, that is. Oops, sorry. You're normally, uh, this is the introductory part for Pastor Alistair Begg's uh, Bible teaching program, Truth for Life, which we've had on the air here at American Family Radio for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years maybe. In this particular time slot, we've had a great relationship with the Pastor Begg and his whole team, uh, uh, you know, at, uh, the, at their ministry. I think he serves a church in, in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Anyway, something has happened recently which has forced our hand here at American Family Radio to make a decision on continuing uh, the Truth for Life program on AFR or not. And we're going to talk about it. We wanted to explain to you, our listeners, what happened and what went into the thinking of our decision. So joining me in studio, Wesley Wildman's uh, with me, but Ed Battagliano and Walker Wildman. Uh, and I just heard about it last week and a few days ago, whatever. <clears throat> and so people heard that answer and uh, people began to call us. Hey, what are you going to do? Did you hear what Alistair Begg said? Uh, what's your opinion, uh, American Family Radio, of what he said? So that's what I mean by it forced us <clears throat> to... Uh, take a, a hard look at this and make a decision <clears throat> on what, what, if anything, we were going to do about it. Uh, so, Ed, you and Walker had a phone conversation with uh, not Alistair Begg himself, but his team. Is that fair? To call yes. Oh, um, yesterday. Yes. We, we, wanted, we wanted to give him an opportunity to say, I messed up right there. Right. And, and uh, I, I think it's the wrong, I said the wrong thing and I'd, I'd like to recant. Sure. And, and we, and in any case, we want to do the Christian thing. And, in as much as we can. Sometimes with public statements, you can't get in touch with the person who made them. But because they're public, you can comment publicly. But we have had such a long and fruitful relationship with uh, Truth For Life and Alistair Begg. We wanted to have some sort of interaction. Now, let me just say from the outset, and then I'm going to get Walker to, to, to join in here too, that uh, the, the, the two individuals that we talked with, it was Walker and I with two individuals from Alistair Begg's ministry, they made it clear that Alistair Begg uh, believes that homosexuality is wrong. He hasn't changed that, his views on that. Uh, he does not believe that homosexual marriage is valid and that the practice of homosexual activity is, as the Bible says, an abomination. So all four of us were in agreement with that. But Walker, what we could not get them to change, and they said that Alistair Begg is not going to change his mind, was on the issue of whether Christians should attend, because that is what Alistair Begg was saying. Yes, He was saying Christians should attend, and bring a gift. Yes, that's right. And the goal of the call and the goal of all Christians when approaching these issues should be reconciliation, but reconciliation in truth. Um, and so that was our goal with the call with Alistair Begg's team. And unfortunately, we didn't get there, um, but we did press the issue multiple, multiple times. And, and we even asked point blank, um, so are, are you guys stating 
that Pastor Alistair Begg is standing by his original comment. He has no regrets. He didn't misspeak. He doesn't want to further clarify nothing. Then they said, yes, he's standing by his original comment. So <clears throat> very disappointing. And, um, you know, I even told Ed this and the, the gentleman and lady that we were on the call with, with Truth For Life, that Pastor Alistair Begg has such a long, decades-long track record of biblical fidelity and truthfully teaching the Word of God that this is extremely disappointing. This this isn't something that we saw coming. This isn't like some of the others, uh, uh, evangelical leaders that have drifted. This is not one that, that was on the list um, that we, we could have seen this coming. So, hey, couple things. So couple the things. question is, if a Christian goes to a homosexual wedding, are they approving of it? And our answer here is absolutely. And here's the example I used. And I gave this to Pastor Begg's team. I said, if, uh, if uh, my best friend cheats on his wife and starts to have an illicit relationship with his secretary and then wants to divorce his wife and marry that other woman and comes to me and asks me to come, maybe be his best man, what would I say? I would say, brother, no, I'm not coming to your marriage. I'm not going to participate, but I'm not even going to attend. What you need to do is to repent of this sexual sin and reconcile with your wife. I, I think most Christians understand that. If you go to the wedding, you are approving of the new relationship this man has embarked on, and you are approving of what he has done to his wife. And you are going to celebrate the marriage. When you show up at a wedding, I mean, let's face it, you show up at a wedding and you go to the reception, you are going to... And you bring a gift. And you bring a gift. You're going to walk up to that couple and say, congratulations. You're going to shake their hands, these two men. Yeah. And you're going to shake their hands and say, congratulations. Okay. Now, we'll finish playing this, but these guys are spot on. What this man is saying is spot on. If you think about sexual sin, first of all, let me show you. Anything outside of the bonds of holy matrimony, outside of a husband and wife's relationship, the marriage bed is undefiled, right? The marriage bed. That union is not the marriage bed. That man that is cheating on his wife with the secretary, that's not the biblical marriage bed. What this man is talking about, he's spot on. Right? The marriage bed. That is a a sinful act. You are approving of what they're doing. In my personal opinion, you could be culpable in God's eyes if those people go to hell because you would not preach the gospel to them and preach the gospel of repentance and faith. Amen. Did you hear him? He would not preach the gospel of repentance and faith. What a bunch of boneheads Alistair Begg and his crew are. You're not calling them to repentance. You're agreeing with their sin. It's wicked. These men are spot on with what they just said. Spot on. I mean, they, you can't get an even a better rebuke as far as that goes from the people that are employing him that are putting his broadcast out there. 
They hit the nail right on the head. Even the guinea agrees. He's agreeing. Spurgeon is saying, right on. Right-o, right-o. Right? The guinea and Spurgeon both. But who's not? I'll show you who's not. That guy. That guy does not agree. That guy. That guy right there is on Alistair Begg's side. That guy. How do I know that guy is on Alistair Begg's side? I know he is because that guy was with the Minnesota Methodists. And that guy was promoting the rally. He showed up in the rally to support the homos. That guy. All righty then. Makes perfect sense now, doesn't it? That guy. Never forget. Whatever you do, that guy is always around. I wonder if I'll ever see that guy again. That guy. And for you that can't see the picture, let's see. See if I can find that guy. I know he's here. There he is. That guy. Don't ever forget about that guy. Because when you least suspect it, that guy. There he is. That guy. Huh? Every time I hear Abdel's name, the only thing I can think about is Abdul the Butcher when I was a kid. Abdul the Butcher. Abdul the Butcher was a, was a wrestler. Abdullah the Butcher. That's all I can think of. Don't be that guy. Okay. So Alistair says, no. That guy. And of course, if you ever wonder, what would I do? Well, here's one thing I would do. You weren't born with a uterus. That's just fact. (laughs) One more time, and then I got to do the other one. Just to show you what I would do. You weren't born with a uterus. That's just fact. And of course, and of course, 
Uh, let's see. I would also let's see where I would also do this. I would. If you asked me, what would I do? Here's what that's I would do. simple. I know I don't have a uterus. Are you saying that's the difference between a man and a woman? Is a uterus? Is that it? Is that the difference? So you know what a woman is now? You identify a woman as someone with a uterus? All right, we got that settled. There's only two genders, male and female. Male and female. Only two genders. That lady just reminded me that I don't have a uterus, of which I thank her for noticing that I don't have a uterus because I'm a man and men don't have uteruses. That's correct. And guess what? In the beginning, God made them male and female. There are only two genders, male and female. I'm glad it took the argument of abortion to make you understand that there are only two genders. On mine. You too can understand simple science. Like the body that's in your body is not your body. Simple science from Pastor Cooley. I'm helping you out. Simple science lessons. The second one is that this lady happened to say that she yelled at me that men don't have uteruses. That is correct. That is correct. There are only two genders, male and female. Simple science, male and female. All of you are here today as a result of a male and a female coming together. That's why there is no such thing as the fairy tale of transgenderism. All that means is that someone wants to mutilate your body parts. You don't change your sex. You don't change your gender. You just become mutilated. That's simple science. Simple science. Let's do it again one more time. The body that's in your body is not your body. That's simple science. There are only two genders, male and female. That's it. A transgender is nothing more than a mutilated person. They don't become a different gender. You cannot change your gender. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Listen up. Also, human abortion is murder because the body that's in your body is not your body. That's how it works. That's simple science lessons from Pastor Cooley. We do aim to help, of course. So I, I had to, right? I have to give those simple lessons because they're very helpful lessons. You know? Uh, and I like this, and this is what we're going to take some time and look through here. Now, this man it doesn't use the King James Bible, uh, which is a difference that I have with him, obviously. But uh, over at the dissenter, it's very good. What he says about this. His point that he makes 10 reasons why a Christian should never attend a homosexual wedding, right? Uh, very good. Okay. So. Number one, contradiction of biblical marriage doctrine. 
This is probably the most obvious reason and goes without saying, but it's also the most important reason. Traditional Christian doctrine teaches that marriage is a sacred institution established by God between one man and one woman. The Bible says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Attending a homosexual wedding will be seen as endorsing a view of marriage that contradicts this foundational biblical teaching, even if that isn't the intent. Why would one attend if they didn't agree with it? Is this what God would want? Can two walk together except they be agreed? How can they? How can two walk together? We don't agree. Number two, implicit endorsement of sin. The Bible categorizes categorizes homosexuality acts as sinful. Let's look at what the Bible says. Leviticus 18, 22. Let's look at the scriptures. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. God ranks it right there with bestiality. God ranks it right there. And adultery and fornication. But right next to bestiality. Okay? And then, of course, in the New Testament, they say, oh, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 1. Verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him that from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Vile. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Even their women. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, 
one toward another. Men with men. Working that which is unseemly. What does unseemly mean? Not fit or becoming. Uncomely. Unbecoming. Indecent. Right? Look at that word. What does it say about love? In 1 Corinthians 13, doth charity, doth not behave itself unseemly. The Bible defines love. Homosex is not love. According to the definition of the Bible, unseemly. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. How does the scriptures define unseemly? And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men working with men, that which is unseemly, not fit, uncomely, comely, indecent. Do you see that? So the next time a sodomite tells you that love is love, I always tell them pizza is pizza. They say love is love. Love is love. Nope. Homosex is not love. Love. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. Right? Wow, there's 113 people on here. 114. I don't think I've ever had 114 on here before. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. And receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. See, that's not love. That's what you have to understand. That's what you show them. That's not love. Okay? By attending such a wedding, it will be perceived that one is tactically endorsing these practices, which conflicts with the call to live a life in obedience to the Scripture. Similar to Numbers 1, can two walk together to number one? And the Bible tells us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We're not only not to have fellowship. If I go to a a sodomite wedding and take a gift, I'm having fellowship with that. I'm fellowshipping with that. Right? It's sinful. I'm not only not to have fellowship, 
I'm probably going to stand outside of it and preach and reprove it. Number three, compromise of witness. Christians are called to be witnesses to the truth of God's word. Ye shall be witnesses. Participating in events that celebrate practices contrary to Bible teachings clearly compromise this witness and dilute the message of the gospel and the call to repentance and faith. See, when you whittle the gospel down and you gut repentance out of the gospel, when you gut repentance from the gospel, right? What are you doing? Well, you're telling them just believe. But true belief includes repentance. There is no there is no belief without repentance. There isn't. There is not a belief without repentance. But this is the modern era. That they believe that Christians can just believe and they don't repent. It's not possible. It dilutes the message that the gospel is a call to repentance and faith. The gospel is a call to repentance. People say, well, I think you're wrong about that. Really? Here's what Jesus said. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Right? Jesus called all men everywhere to repentance. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith go hand in hand. And when they're not, there's no true biblical salvation that takes place there. And repentance is not stop sinning. Repentance is not, um, that's not repentance. That's not. Oh, you preach to stop sinning. No, I don't preach to stop sinning. Because I don't think it's possible for lost sinners to stop sinning. (laughs) I think that's nonsense. That's Pelagian. It's the false doctrine. It's, it, that is a works-based salvation. Right? But God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. Right? 
So repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action with sorrow in the heart. The change of action is not repentance. It is the fruit of repentance. Repentance is as simple as I was going that way away from God. And repentance is turning. Now I walk towards God. Repentance and faith are gifts of God. We don't believe that a man repents on his own. We believe that God uses the preaching of his word and the Holy Spirit of God convicts his heart and brings him to that place of repentance and faith in Christ. It is a work of God. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. God shows us our utter hopelessness without Christ, our utter hopelessness to be able to Obey the law of God. Our other hopelessness to be able to do any of those things. That we need Christ. That produces a sorrow and a hopelessness in our heart and a sorrow that leads men to repentance. The law is a schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. Men are going the wrong way. The law shows them they're going the wrong way. They're guilty before God. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Salvation is of the Lord, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I like what Spurgeon said about that. So so many people are too worried about... Uh, um, the school of election and predestination when they need to come to the school of repentance and faith. <laughs> that, that I'll agree with. <laughs> Absolutely. They need to come to the school of repentance and faith before they worry about the school of predestination and election. Amen. Okay, number four, love and truth. While Christians are called to love all people, right? The Bible says, love your enemies. I do love my enemies. That's why I tell them the truth. True love involves speaking the truth. Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in them in all things. Which means not participating in events that celebrate what the Bible says is sin. Participating in such an event hinders our ability to speak truthfully when we should. Five, respect for authority of Scripture. By not attending a Christian demonstrates a respect for the authority of God's word as the final guide in matters of faith and practice. My King James Bible determines where I go and what I do and what I participate in. It is our final authority. And I would believe with Will Grady or Bill Grady, final authority. That King James Bible is my final authority. 
God's word, God's word tells me where I'm going to go and what I'm to do and what I'm to participate in. Not my feelings, not my circumstances, not any of that. But the scriptures, the word of almighty God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Number six. So number five is, is illustrating our respect for God's authority in our lives. In essence, let me say it this way. It shows the lordship of Christ in our lives. And you know what? If one of you little runts out there got a problem with me saying the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life, I don't really care. You can call me a lordship salvationist. You can call me anything you want to. I don't care. Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether I recognize it or not, he's Lord. But you better recognize it. If you name the name of Christ, you're supposed to depart from iniquity. I don't understand all this. this uh, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones. preached a message one time maybe it wasn't him maybe it was Leonard Ravenhill I don't remember which one it was but it was called a divided Christ and we got people today preaching a divided Christ well is he is he savior uh, or lord both you don't divide Jesus oh I know who it was it was um Tozer Tozer running around saying things like, well, is he, is he Savior or Lord? Both. What do you mean? Jesus is Lord. Oh, I'm going to label you this. I don't care. I'm on a repentance blacklist. I'm probably on a ton of, uh, of blacklists. I don't care. I stand before the throne of when I stand when I stand before the throne of God, Jesus isn't going to look at me and say, "Why did you recognize me as Lord?" I'm not going to be in trouble with Jesus for saying he is Lord. He is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. Tired of this wishy-washy garbage. People are preaching out there. Dividing Christ. I'm supposed to be doing a broadcast. Preaching's supposed to be for tonight. My goodness. I was not planning that. I can tell you that. I don't know what's got me so fired up. It's got to be the Lord, but I am fired up. So it's respect for the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to apologize for that. If you don't like me and you want to put me on some list, go ahead. Get in line. I'm on a bunch of them. I don't really care. Tired of that nonsense. People running around. Goodness. 
You want to know why you don't have any revival? Somebody asked me, Pastor, should I should I pray for revival for America? No, you ought to pray for revival for the churches. Churches don't even know who Jesus is. They don't even know Jesus is Lord. Say, pray for Scotland, pray for America. No, pray for the churches in Scotland. Pray for the churches in America. Pray for the churches in Europe. And in America. Why? They don't even know who Jesus is. Go show the churches who Jesus is. They're the ones that need to figure out who Jesus is. We all know the lost world don't know who he is. We got a bunch of churches that don't know who he is. Okay. Now, let me calm down a bit. Let me sound more civilized, shall we? More civilized. Calmer. Right. Civilized. Man, I'm going to tell you what. The more I think about it, the more I, I just, God, you know, I think God sent me to Europe for me to see how dead it was all over that place. And to get a fire lit underneath me. I mean, I'm going to Canada this year. Who knows? I don't know when I'm going back to Europe. I don't know. I'm just telling you one thing. I know God's going to send me back to Europe sometime. I'm just, I, I just, I, I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you, I got an itching to see churches, fired up men, see churches planted Right in the deadest part of England, the deadest part of Scotland, the deadest part of Ireland, the deadest part. I'm telling you, I know, I know it's going to happen. I, I, I know it is. Ah, anyway, all right. Mm. Amen. All right. Amen, brother. I know it's going to happen. I I know it is. I like I I know there's some things that God lays on that I know, and He plots it out and He shows me. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when it's God's timing, we're going to shake some things up, brother. We are going to shake some things up. I believe that. Now is not the time, but there will be a time. That was just laying the groundwork. All that was was laying groundwork. That's what that was. That was a beginning. That was a beginning. Canada, I'm telling you, God has something. He said, he, look, I didn't even know Pastor Jeffrey last year, okay? I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Canada. I think I'm going to take my, my family to Canada. Then all of a sudden, I meet uh, online, I meet Pastor Jeffrey, and I see this guy, and I'm like, Man, I like that guy. I really like that guy. I love that guy, man. I I like that guy. 
I like his fire. I like his zeal. I like his desire to follow God. I got to finish this so I can get out of here. I'm only on point six. I'm telling you, there's something to that with Pastor Jeffrey. There's something to that. God's got something. I know it. I know it. It ain't an accident. The way the Lord's providing for this, the way God is doing this, the way God is plotting that out, that ain't an accident. It just isn't. It isn't. Amen. And I'm getting fired up. This is supposed to be a broadcast. (laughs) All right. I better put some more in here. See, I'm burning myself out. I'm going to have to drink some ginger tea. All right. Guarding per- number six, guarding personal convictions. Attending a homosexual wedding should conflict with a Christian's personal convictions, which are formed and informed by their understanding of the Bible. If they do not, one should examine rather they are truly in the faith. It's important for Christians to guard these convictions to maintain a clear conscience before God. Let's look at that. That is an excellent point. Romans 14. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Amen. Number seven, avoiding confusion in the church. If you pastor a church like he does, Your church should not be confused on your stand. Participation in a sodomite wedding creates confusion and even stumbling blocks within Christians. And I'm talking about in your church. You're going to confuse your men and your children. You're going to confuse them. Children don't need to be confused with compromise. They need straightforward lifestyles and living and, and, and understanding. They need it to be plain. Don't confuse your children. Like I said to the members of Old Pass Baptist Church, I don't want your children to ever be confused in what I believe. When they stick me in the ground someday and bury me six feet under and stick me in a box and throw me down or a bag and throw me down in there, they're going to know 
And I told him, my voice is going to ring in your ears for years to come. And you're going to remember what that old man stood for and what he believed in and what he wouldn't back down from and what he wouldn't compromise with. They won't be confused. They'll remember it. And I'll have done my duty. And I'll go home to be with the Lord in peace knowing that I did it. Number eight, prioritizing God's approval over social pressure. Choosing not to attend such an event may go against societal norms or pressures, but it prioritizes seeking God's approval rather than conforming to the patterns of the world. Look at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. By the way, Go back and listen to my sermons on Romans chapter 12 a few last year, I think it was. I preached through the will of God and I talked about Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I, when I discussed that, when I taught that, I used, by the way, Martin Lloyd-Jones' book on Romans chapter 12, which was golden. His examples for pastors and, are, and to explain to people, worldliness is not a certain thing that you do or don't do. For instance, worldliness is not just like going to a gay wedding or not going to a queer wedding. no. Worldliness is a mindset, and the world is constantly trying to condition us. So our minds and our bodies have to be a living sacrifice to God. Our, our, our bodies and our minds have to be daily conformed, to be or daily transformed by the renewing of our mind. Otherwise, we will think worldly, because worldliness is not just an act. Worldliness is a mindset. If I'm thinking worldly, then my actions are going to show it. If I'm acting, if, if my mind is thinking worldly, I'm going to do it. That's what Lloyd-Jones covered in his book. And it was good. It made sense. Because people tend to look at isolated issues. I would say that Alistair Begg is worldly. That's why he's come to that conclusion. He's allowed the world to shape his thinking. He's allowed the culture to help shape his thinking and to compromise with it. And that's why. When you're renewed in your mind and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay. That's the difference. It's a worldly mindset. It's a lack of surrender to God because first you surrender to God. Then your mind is renewed daily in the word of God. It's transformed because the world wants to conform you. 
a lot of the questions go away about what I should do and what I shouldn't do if I'm surrendered to God and my mind is being renewed and transformed daily, then these things aren't even a question. Because I look and say, well, is that, am I thinking like Christ? Right? Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The world is going to constantly try to get you to conform to it. The only way to combat that is, number one, absolute surrender to the Lord daily. Number two, my mind being transformed. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? The word of God. That's how it works. The only way. Oh my goodness, it's 401. I'm working overtime now. I don't know if you realize this, but after four o'clock, it's double time. Okay? The Apostle Paul tells us when we begin to seek man's approval over God's, we cease to be his servants. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Or if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Amen. Nine. <clears throat> Yeah, I was I I was joking about this the other day with my family, and I said, I don't know how many hours a week I work. <laughs> I don't know, because I said the other night I was up on the phone. I I was I was up till one o'clock in the morning on the phone. I don't know. I don't know how many hours a week. Number nine, faithful to Christian doctrine. This choice reflects a commitment to living out one's faith authentically and faithfully in accordance with the doctrines and teachings of Christianity, even when it's counterculture. It demonstrates that we actually believe what we say we believe and preach. Right. We're not to be we're we're not to be just hearers of the word. Look at James chapter one. Verse 
but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. I like what 21 says before that. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Amen. And number 10, upholding the sanctity of marriage in the gospel. Finally, and very importantly, by abstaining from attending those type of those homosexual weddings, Christians uphold the sanctity of marriage as defined in the Bible, affirming its unique role and purpose in God's design for humanity, as well as his redemptive purposes. Remember, marriage is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Jesus and his church. Look at that. For this cause, Ephesians 5.31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church, and anything contrary to that is blasphemy. It's blasphemy to God, and it ought not be. And God's people ought to never go to those sodomite weddings. It's aching to go into the mass. It's treason. Treason to God. Amen. It's absolute treason. Okay, I'm going to play a song, give you a chance to say hi. Okay. And ready, the crowd is looking on. The starting gun is sounded, and the race is now begun. Beginning seems so easy, but soon I feel the pain. Then I hear a voice from heaven above, and it's calling out my name. Be faithful, Christian. Oh, 
I keep my eyes on Jesus. He knows which path is right. I trust his word to lead me through the day and through the night. Whenever I'm discouraged, he comes along beside. When I fall, my Savior picks me up and he keeps my hope Right, one more. Let's see. We got to do another one. Let's see. Let's see. How about? I actually like this song. This is good. And I see my Savior's face I will offer him ten thousand years of praise And I'll find that special one In whose life I saw God's Son And through tears of joy with trembling lips these words I'll say I saw Jesus in you I saw Jesus in you I could hear his voice in the words you said I saw Jesus Jesus 
Amen, everybody. Well, God bless you, and uh, we will see you all, uh, Lord willing, on Friday at 2 p.m. Central Time and busy time. And then this weekend, night preaching, late night preaching. Uh, I think it, the parade starts around 5 or 6 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night. We'll be preaching into the night hours there a little bit, not too late, but late for some of you. We'll be starting at midnight your time, Carl. Uh, but anyway, so you pray for our ministry and uh, God bless you all, Fabian and, and uh, Carl and, and Brother Ross and uh, Teresa and Daryl and Mary and everybody. Uh, and you pray for us, pray for our ministry, uh, pray for the Lord to continue to bless us. Uh, yep, I'll be preaching tonight, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, 7.30 to 7.45 p.m. Central Time. I'll be preaching back in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2.19, verse by verse. We're into 2.19, amen? So uh, we'll be preaching Ephesians 2.19 tonight, amen? And uh, also, if you'd like to give to our ministry, number one, pray for us. We could use it. Number two, if you'd like to give, you could do that through PayPal. That's salvationpreacher at gmail.com. Or you can go to... Uh, the donate button at oldpazbaptistchurch.org and click on donate there or just scroll down the screen there, PayPal, Venmo, and Apple Pay. You can do any of those right from our website, oldpazbaptistchurch.org. Or if you'd like, you can go to our sermon audio page, okay? Sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page there, you will see our address. You can mail it to 1030 
South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. Please don't make it out to Old Paz Baptist Church. You can make it out to Old Paz Baptist Church Trust if you'd like to, but don't make it out to the church uh, because the church doesn't exist in the government's eyes. It is a spiritual entity, not a legal entity. So, uh, Or you can just make it out to me, Pastor Cooley or Jason Cooley, and it'll get cashed, okay? It all goes to the same place, to pay the bills, amen? And uh, also pray for our Canadian trip, pray for our preaching, pray for the Coliseum documentary, pray for all the things coming up, all right? All right, everybody. God bless you. I'm going to get out of here. Take care. Have a good night.